Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly abundantly and overflowing joy. Well, it's a glorious summer day, and so I want to talk about in the garden again. So this is part two. Last week, we talked about landscaping the garden of your heart, and I really felt the need to talk about that subject again, because it's so very, very important. Our heart is a very vulnerable organ. It's the seed of our emotions. And so many experiences in our life that are bad or painful can cause the heart to be hardened. Abuse as a child, whether verbal, physical, or sexual, can cause the heart to become like cement. There can be loss of a parent through death or divorce that causes a child's heart to ache. As people grow, if they haven't successfully dealt with that loss, they may choose to soothe that pain with alcohol, drugs, or food. And their garden ends up looking like a trash heap instead of a beautifully manicured garden. Now, why am I focusing on children? Well, because at one time we were all children. And you see, these things really do, uh, really do come from the beginnings of our life. We don't suddenly develop all these issues as an adult. No, it's from the, it's from these experiences as a child and, and as we do certain things like to protect our heart, uh, like children who lash out, and certain other behaviors are all a result of this broken heart. So we have to look at it from the time when we were young children. What experiences did we have as children that possibly and probably cause us to be the person we are today as an adult. So that's why the focus tonight is looking at the heart from the time you were a child and to see what vulnerabilities there were then that still exist now because of certain circumstances that you experienced as a child. Now, we have, there is not a child, (laughs) there is not a child on the planet who has had a perfect childhood. That doesn't exist. We all have baggage that we carry from our childhood into our adulthood. And that's merely a result of life and life's experiences. And many, many times, it's not our fault But what happens is people do not know how to cope with overwhelming circumstances. And they may not have the support of family and friends to overcome it. Oftentimes, parents are oblivious to the pain that a child might have with regard to loss of a parent or divorce or abuse and the parent doesn't even know how to cope with that themselves. So they don't know how to navigate this child 
or their children through the experience to bring healing to them. And then let's think about children who've been totally orphaned. They've lost both parents in a car accident, or they've lost both parents in an airplane crash, or on a ship that goes down. And children take that feeling of rejection way into childhood. Rejection is probably the number one issue that we try to deal with as adults because of so many of these other issues from childhood. So maybe you can relate to some of the things I'm sharing. I'm sure you can. As I said, there's no one, there's not a child, a human on the planet that has not had some kind of experience, whether that be with parents, whether that be with relatives, neighbors, school children, school teachers, but all of those things uh, come into play with regard to what issues we deal with in our heart as adults. So I know that everybody listening tonight, you could pinpoint, you could actually go back and look at things in your life and say, yep, that happened. And as a result, as a result I'm still dealing with it in this way. Now, many of you maybe are not that insightful of your own self, and you don't even see it. You don't even have a clue that you have these issues that sometimes are very glaring to other people, but you can't see them. And it's just too painful to go back and look at the past to try to bring healing to the present. Now, the disciples kind of carried on with Jesus about these little children, and boy, oh boy, did he rebuke them. He said, suffer not the little children to come to me. You see, Jesus had a particular focus on the children, and his love for them was very intense. It says that Jesus in Mark uh, chapter 9 I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10, it said, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive me, excuse me, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. And then he said in Mark chapter 9, verse 42, he said, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. So Jesus has some harsh words for people who cause children to stumble, cause children any kind of harm. Um, we are living and it, I, I'm extremely sad to say we are living in a time where children are being sexually abused at an alarming rate. And do you know that the United States is a number one 
um, leader in sexually trafficked children in the whole world. So there are some grave issues. This one is very dear and near to my heart, and it bothers me very, very much when I see what's happening to children. We've talked about it, the transgender movement of mutilating children, of causing children such distress and forcing pronouns and, and uh, um, just, just that whole movement is so out of kilter with the kingdom of God. It's just so out there and it's so harmful to children. And yet we are being led to believe that we have to support this. It's the greatest thing since sliced bread. This is the most horrible evil being perpetrated on children today. So, yes, life can be hard and life can be devastating and life can be very much life-altering. But Jesus... I thought we could take just a quick look at Jesus' heart. What, what was his heart like? I think it's pretty simple, but he had a pure heart, right? Because he was sinless. We know that he was extremely compassionate because he was always praying for the sick. He was, as I mentioned already, wanting the children to come so that he could lay hands on them and bless them. He was compassionate about those who were full of demons and who were suffering under mental, mental anguish. Jesus was gentle, like a lamb. That's why they call him the Lamb of God. That's what John called him. Behold, the Lamb of God. Patient. Jesus was very patient with the disciples, and they were a really tough bunch, I mean, to tell you. Many times they were arrogant and willful, and he had to gently, patiently bring them into line. Jesus was dedicated. He was dedicated to bring the truth, the kingdom, and dedicated to do what he was ultimately committed to do, and that was to be on the cross to shed his blood for the removal of, of sin and transgressions. He was committed to the cause, no doubt about that. And many times he brought that up, and talked about it, and the disciples just could not wrap their brain around it. Jesus was kind. He was kind. He was kind to those who were hurting and in need. He was not necessarily kind to the Pharisees for good reason. Jesus was sincere. <laughs> he was honest. He was, he was full of truth. He was and is the truth. Jesus was peaceful. He said, 
Come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus was joyful. He had a heart filled with the joy of the Lord. And he was full of love because he actually is love. The embodiment of what love is, is Jesus. So we can see from Jesus' heart, we can look at his heart and we can say, okay, ultimately, we want our heart to be like Jesus. Now, Jesus was able to keep the garden of his heart like a fruitful flower filled with the fragrance of heaven. And one reason is, is that he kept in close union to the Father. He reflected the character and nature of God. Now, Hebrews 1, uh, verses 1 through 4, expresses that concept well. I'm going to read that to you out of the New King James Version. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So we can see that Jesus came to do the Father's will, and he did it perfectly and exemplified the nature and character of his Father. Jesus also said many times and explicitly uh, carried on quite a long dialogue about he and the Father being one in the Gospel of John. Let's take a look at the heart of other people in the Bible. David. David had a heart after God. The Bible says he was a man after God's heart. And yet, we know that David didn't always represent God well, especially when he committed adultery and had another, had that woman's husband murdered. Hmm. Then there's Daniel. And the book of Daniel says that he was of an excellent nature. So we see in Daniel's heart, we see purity and we see devotion to God. Let's look at Moses. Bible says he was a meek man. That means he had a very humble heart. And he recognized the awesomeness of God. And he never, ever forgot that. He keep, kept that in the forefront. Deborah. Deborah the prophetess. Deborah had a strong heart. She had a willingness to do what was right no matter what. I like Deborah. Then there's Isaiah, the prophet. Isaiah had 
what I call a repentant heart. He said in his in the chapter on Isaiah, written by Isaiah, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And then later in the book of Isaiah, he talked about having a broken and a contrite heart. And he said, this is the one that God looks upon, this kind of heart, this broken and contrite heart. Then there's Ruth. Yo, Ruth. She had a very committed and a faithful heart to Naomi and ultimately got to marry Boaz. And, uh, a great story. Joshua had an obedient heart. I mean to tell you, he served Moses faithfully, and he obeyed God always. I mean to tell you, this Joshua. I mean, he, that's why he was handpicked to be Moses' next in command. So as Christians, we need to cultivate the landscape of our heart. Some of us need special healing for the abuses of life, and that's okay. Seek inner healing and deliverance. It's usually a very beneficial thing. Proverbs 13.12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I know about that. I know about that a lot. When our dreams die, our heart can become sick. I know many times my heart became sick. I had hope deferred. And that's okay for a moment, but it's not okay over the long haul. That sick heart will need revived. And it will need a fresh injection of hope and purpose. And that comes, many times it comes from another individual who, who sees where we are and is willing to help us get up out of that rut. Proverbs thirteen nineteen says, A desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. So the opposite is true of hope deferred makes the heart sick because when the desire is accomplished, it's sweet to the soul. But in the process of getting to the desire accomplished, there can be many uh, sick hearts. And so uh, through prayer, through others' help and, and support and um, uh, the Holy Spirit, we can get up out of that miry clay. And I can say amen because I did. Whatever state your heart is in, any of the above that I've mentioned this evening, there is one cure, Jesus. Returning to our Lord with focus and realizing he can heal our heart. If you begin to doubt, if you are so discouraged and you think there is no way out, it's because the enemy is putting those ideas and thoughts in your head and you're believing the lie. <laughs> Satan is the father of lies, and he lies continually. That's what he does, and he does it very well. And if you believe the lie, 
then your heart will stay sick. You will stay sick. You have to come up out of the lie and into God's truth and believe that he can and will and is very willing to bring healing to your heart. I want to look at 2 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 14 through 16, again in the New King James Version. It says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. So that's why it's so imperative that we get a grip on the situation of our heart. So if your heart is still sick, and it could be more than just hope deferred, but sick from past issues, rejection, helplessness, uh, abuse, etc., etc., then we, we are hard to be a fragrance to, to um, um, those around us. And so we want to be an aroma of life that's what the scripture, we want to be an aroma of life leading to life in other people. Because life isn't about us, folks. I know we get focused on ourselves, But only stay focused on yourself enough to get your heart right and healed and healthy. Because we have to be the aroma of life leading to life. And we are to God. I mean, many times we don't see this. We can't even... I mean, we think, really? But it says we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. And we want to be a wonderful fragrance. Let's look at uh, Luke 7. And verses 43 through 45. It says, for a good tree does not bear bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. So this is how I see it. Just in conclusion, every heart has issues, and we have an obligation to bring those issues into the light, into the light of the gospel, into the light as we discuss these things with the Lord. We talk to him, talk to your father about the issues, and then look to scripture for answers. It's there. Now, if you need repentance, repent. If you need healing, ask for prayer. If it's deliverance, seek out a deliverance minister. If I can encourage you in one thing, 
let's try to get our hearts healed and well. We need healthy hearts so that we are uh, the fragrance of life leading to life. Um, let's get the landscaping looking great so that we have that fragrance of lavender, roses, lilacs, lemon ball, balm, butterfly bushes. We've got the fragrance going. And as the scripture says, there are many treasures in our heart that we need to give out. God has created you with a treasure trove of wonderful plans and ideas in your heart. He's put those dreams in there, and he wants the dreams to come true, for sure. We want people to be drawn to the fragrance of Christ, do we not? So let's do everything within us to landscape our heart to be a healthy, healed and well heart before the Lord. Amen. Well, this is Dawn Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. And I would encourage you to do that because this is an important one to listen to. And you can download the iHeartRadio app. Go to uh, Pure Heart Ministries and listen to this podcast anytime, 24-7. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at dawn, all lowercase letters, D-A-W-N, at pureheart.today, dawn at pureheart.today. Thank you for your prayers for the ministry, and please, please, please consider helping to support this ministry. You can send a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. That's Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. I look forward to being with you again next week. This is Don Noble saying, Shalom, Shalom. Peace be unto you.